Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. So get your Bibles or your electronic devices, if you would, please, and turn to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. 2 Chronicles excuse me, 9, verses 7 and 8. Are you ready? I guess that means yes. I take it by faith. All right, let's read. How blessed your men must be. How blessed these servants of yours must be because they are always stationed in front of you and listen to your wisdom. Thank the Lord your God who, has, who is pleased with you He has put you on his throne to be king on behalf of the Lord your God. Why? Because of your God's love for his people Israel. He has established them permanently and made you king over them so that you would maintain justice and righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercies. (laughs) We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your truth that endures forever. We thank you for your justice that you meet out every day. Now teach us, show us what your justice is so we can walk in it and you can be glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you. You can let the people of God in. We're going to continue our teaching on justice. This is part two on justice. So this is our foundational scripture, and we see how the Queen of Sheba is talking when she's in the presence of Solomon, and she says, excuse me, that God put Solomon on the throne of his father David to maintain justice and judgment, to maintain. (laughs) It's a little word, just little foxes. To maintain. So Solomon then maintains what David establishes. Solomon maintains what David establishes. 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 15 reads, And David reigned over all Israel... And David executed judgment and justice unto all the people. So we see the Queen of Sheba was right. David had a heart after God, so he executed judgment and justice. Solomon is his son. Excuse me. So Solomon comes behind him to sit on the throne and does the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. In other words, while David was on the throne, while David was king, he did what was just and right in the eyes of God. Write that down. Write that down. While David was king, he did what was just and right. Now, we know David sinned, but he wasn't perfect, but he had a heart after God. So whenever God corrected him, David allowed himself to be corrected and he continued to do what was just 
and right in the eyes of God. So David, learning what was just and right in the eyes of God, taught his son. He taught Solomon what was just and right in the eyes of God. So since Solomon was taught what was just and right, in order for Solomon to sit on the throne that's built on righteousness, Solomon had to be willing to do what was right. He had to know what it is and be willing and able to do what was right in order to sit on the throne. And this is the same thing that goes to and goes for all of us as God's people. If we want to reign with Christ Jesus, if we want to reign with him, if we want to sit in his throne, we must be willing to do justice and judgment. That sounds real good, don't it? (laughs) It even sounds simple and poetic, but it's more to it than that. That's where we got to understand. So let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So we talked about what judgment was or is, and we talked about what justice is. And just because they're so important, I'm going to go over it again, but real quickly. Judgment in Hebrew is the word mishpat. And it means it's the act of deciding a case. It's the act of deciding a case. It's a legal case. It's the process of litigation. Judgment judgment is settling a dispute in the court of law. Justice is sedeka in Hebrew. It means righteousness or simply right behavior. Say that word with me, right behavior. Right behavior. Let's say it again. Right behavior. That that simply says there's a right way to live, save, and there's a wrong way to live, save. Let's say it another way. There's only one way to live, save. There's only one way to live, save, and it's the way God says to live. There's only one right way to live. And only God can tell us what that way is. And I'm already, I'm already on something here. I'm already on something here. Stay with me. So, justice, my brothers and sisters, is assigning reward or punishment for the behavior of another. Justice is assigning a reward or punishment for behavior. Justice, write this down, justice. Justice is about addressing right and wrong. It's just that simple. Justice is about addressing right and wrong. It's not enough to be right and see wrong happen and don't do nothing. Right. 
You're not doing what David did, and you're not doing what Solomon did. If you can know right and have right on the inside of you and see wrong behavior go on and you do nothing, you're not executing justice. Wow. That is a true statement and it's a powerful statement and it's one that we need to remember that we, and I hate to say it like this, but I don't know, you know any other way to say it. We need to go back to that. I'm going to mess with a few people because I just can't help it. I know I'm talking to a few people, maybe a few in here, more out, you know, in, in, in the social media world. But I know you kind of like me sometime and you, you're out with your family and you, you see some children misbehaving, behaving badly. And it just makes you so mad because you want to just whoop them like they're your kids. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll ruin your dinner with your family talking about it. Man, I can't believe. Did you, did you see what they was doing, honey? See, that, that lets you know there's justice in you. There's justice in you. You want to see justice. That's a good thing because the world wants to turn it off. The world wants you to go by and say, live, live and let live. That ain't your business. So that's why there's so little justice in our world. Because nobody wants to address right or wrong behavior. Now, now you know it's bad when it's in a church. I'm going to say this, I'm going to move on because this is touchy. This is, this is touchy right here. Some of you have been here long enough to watch me do what is known as church discipline publicly. That is some of the hardest things I've ever done as a pastor is to address wrong behavior biblically in front of everybody. Because you don't understand this, you should, but usually the person that's being disciplined doesn't think they deserve it, and there's always somebody out there, ooh, he shouldn't do that in front of everybody. See, that's just wrong, ooh, ooh, I ain't, I ain't come back to this church, that ain't no love. You don't understand justice. See, it's not your responsibility. So you don't have to look at it. It's heavy already, ain't it? So, again, justice, my brothers and sisters, is about addressing right and wrong behavior. When people are doing good, they need to be celebrated and acknowledged. That's good behavior. You're faithful. You show up. You're consistent. We thank God for you. That right behavior needs to be addressed. That's justice. Just like wrong behavior needs to be addressed, that's justice. Both right and wrong behavior must be acknowledged. 
Turn to Psalm 89:14. I'm not going to be up before you long tonight. I preach a long time Sunday, I've been told. Psalm 89, 14. Justice and judgment are the habitation or the foundation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. The foundation of the throne of God is justice and judgment. The foundation of it. If, if we're going to deal with God, you're going to have to deal with justice and judgment. If we're going to have any dealings with God, you're going to deal with his justice and judgment. And since it's the foundation of his throne, we're going to have to deal with justice and judgment a lot. Right and wrong is going to have to be addressed a lot. If you're one of those kind of people that don't like to deal with right and wrong, you may not survive in God's kingdom. See, the government of God is founded on what's right. Now, let me say, I know that sounds elementary, real simple, but what it simply says is God is righteous. God knows what's right, and he can never be wrong. So if you're going to follow God, you might as well just get in your mind, he right all the time. If you got a problem with God being right all the time, you're not following God because he's right all the time. <laughs> so justice is defined as righteousness in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, while judgment is defined as the act of deciding a case. So now as we move forward in this teaching, write this down. The real question is, write that down, the real question is, write that down, the real question that all of us must ask ourselves is, who determines what's right and wrong in your life? Selah. Who determines what's right and wrong in your life? When anything comes up, should I turn left, turn right? Should I buy those shoes? Should I go there, go there? Who determines what's right and what's wrong? Because Whoever determines, whoever you allow to define your right and wrong is your lawgiver. That, that term is, is kind of foreign to, to, to most Christians, but not to Jews. Because Moses is commonly referred to as the lawgiver. So practicing Jews, children that grew up in Judaism understood what lawgiver means. 
Moses was the lawgiver because before Moses gave them the law, they were like everybody else. What makes Israel a special people is the law. They are proud of the law of Moses. Because it's through the law of Moses, they found out what was right and what was wrong in God's eyes. And that makes them special. How come we don't feel like that? We just feel special because we know what righteousness is. We should feel special because we know how to please God. So whoever determines your right and your wrong is your law giver. Who's your law giver? We just went through the midterms. Are the Democrats your lawgiver? Mm-hmm. Republicans your lawgiver? Who's your lawgiver? Is Big Mama your law? Big Mama always said. Your favorite college professor. Who's your lawgiver? Who is the one really asking? This is a hard question for real now. (laughs) Who has been the one that's determined in your mind what's right and wrong? Because that's how you've lived your life. You know, you can go to church and hear the pastor and somebody else be your lawgiver. Isaiah 33, I can stay right there. Isaiah 33, 22, but I said I'm not going to be long. Isaiah 33, 22. For the, <coughs> excuse me, for the Lord is our judge. <clears throat> excuse me. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. <laughs> Let's read that again. <laughs> for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. Notice Those three words, those three titles there. Can't can't escape them. Because whoever our lawgiver is, is the same one that judges us. Only, Only the one that gives you the law can judge you based on the law they give you. And the one that judges you based on the law they give you is also your king or your sovereign because you should obey nobody else. See, if I hadn't been teaching and preaching for about 25, 30 years, I would think, looking at some of y'all face, I ain't saying nothing. But I know better. I know better. See, when God is your judge, lawgiver, and king, then we have to acknowledge his power to judge us. (laughs) That means he has the right to punish us. He gets to punish us. Or he gets to reward right behavior and punish wrong behavior. It just so happens we're in the dispensation of grace. So we don't see a whole lot of punishment for bad behavior. We see more acknowledgement of our good behavior. But you got to know it's coming. Look at somebody say, it's sure enough coming. 
Told you it's written in the books. It's in, <coughs> it's in the books. I'm going to judge you for this if you don't get it right. How long, how many times has he told you to get that right? Ooh, I'm talking to somebody's life now. How many times has he told you to get that right? How many times has he told you to correct that behavior and you haven't done it? This is why we need an understanding of justice. Because it wouldn't be right for God to let any of us keep getting away with wrong living and wrong behavior. You don't have to say, man, just do the best you can. Just go. In John 19, in John 19, Pilate was, (laughs) he was attempting to sentence Jesus because, you know, he was Pilate, you see. And so I'm laughing because I already know where we're going with this, but, and it's funny to me. So uh, Pilate asked Jesus a question. And he asked Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus don't say nothing to him. He don't answer him. Come on, let's kind of get your Holy Ghost imagination going. Now he Pilate, he in all this Pilate glory. You know, he got his robes and, you know, he, I'm Pilate, you know. So he said, where you, where, 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 where you from, man? Jesus don't answer. So, so then in verse 10, see, if you, if you just let your, your imagination go, read the Bible be fun. It's fun. It's fun to me. So anyway, verse 10. Then said Pilate to him, him being Jesus, speaketh thou not to me? You ain't going to say nothing to me? You ain't going to say, I'm Pilate. You ain't going to say nothing to me? And he goes on to say, don't you know I have the power to crucify you and I have power to release you? You, you ain't, you ain't going to say nothing to me? Don't you know who talking to you, man? You tripping. Verse 11. Jesus answered, thou could have no power. You have no power over me at all except what's been given to you from above. Why why am I bringing this up? When you understand justice, you know who has power over you and who doesn't. When you understand justice, you know who really has power over you and who doesn't. In other words, there's some people you don't even speak to them. You don't acknowledge their presence because what you're about to say has no meaning and bearing in my life. Because you have no power over me. (laughs) When we really begin to understand justice... You know you ain't got to fight everybody. Why would you fight somebody that has no power over you? Why would you argue with someone whose words mean nothing? J- 
Jesus knew I came here to die on the cross. Pilate, what you say has no bearing on that at all. Pilate only had authority, the, the authority that Jesus gave him. Let's go further. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus quotes that same scripture again in Matthew 18, 18. What we need to understand, write this down. This is a judicial act. It's a judicial act. Again, justice is meted out judicially. There has to be laws, rules. There has to be punishment. There has to be a, a system of justice carrying it out, just like in most civilized countries. You have law enforcement. You have attorneys. You have prosecutors. You have judges. They're all a part of the justice system. They ensure, or are supposed to anyway, they are to ensure justice is done. What you need to understand is man imitates the kingdom of God. The same officers are in the kingdom. So, binding and loosing are judicial acts. <laughs> binding is taking control of a of a behavior that's going on and stopping it from continuing. Let me make it plain. Make it plain. When you have children or grandchildren and they're running around the house or the business or the grocery store and they're tearing up stuff. It is your responsibility to bind them. <laughs> You're saying this activity is wrong behavior in this setting and we're going to bind it. We're going to make it stop. We have that power, but we've forgotten. We've forgotten. As kings and priests unto God, we have the ability to make judicial acts. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Whew. See, only, write this down, only a judge can perform 
a judicial act. You've seen enough TV. You've seen enough TV. <coughs> the police, want to, they wanna, they've seen a man run into an apartment. They want to run in. They can't run in unless they got probable cause. If they don't have probable cause, they got to go to a judge. And they got to get what they call it a warrant. That's a judicial act that allows the law enforcement to enter that premises and do whatever they got to do. The same thing happens in the realm of the spirit. I'm telling you prophetically that it's time for some of you to go into the strong man's house. You've already been given jurisdictional privilege. <laughs> You've already been given the power of attorney and all the powers and the authority. Luke 10, behold, I give unto you power to tread all service corporate, and over all the power of the enemy. You've already been given authority to bind and loose. The problem is the enemy doesn't want you to know you have power to bind and loose so he can run free and get away with stuff in your house, in your neighborhood, in your, on your job, in the church that he should never be getting away with. There's right and wrong behavior that we need to address. Can you say amen in this place? Judges operate out of districts. Their territories are districts. In the religious arena, they have been commonly referred to as jurisdictions. <laughs> the jurisdiction is the territory that a judge can legally operate it. Wow. Somebody say, what is our jurisdiction in, Bishop Logan? Glad you asked. Our jurisdiction is heaven and earth. See, we have been made to sit down together with Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. But we also live here on earth. Tell somebody, <laughs> you need to realize this and folk glad you live on earth. And, 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 <clears throat> When, when, when we start walking in our authority, there's going to be more people glad we live on earth. Because, see, there's some things that can't happen as long as you're walking around in your authority. I'm going to say it again. There's some things that, there's some things that cannot happen as long as you are walking around in your godly authority. As long as you're willing to open up your mouth and bind it, Time is it? Okay. So 
We are seated in the heavenlies, so we have power in two realms. We have authority in two realms. We have authority in the heavenly realm, and because we live on earth, we have authority on earth. So we have dual citizenship. Somebody say, I have dual citizenship. Let me help you again. Let me help you a little bit further. I really feel like going down there, but I'm going to stay up here. See, write down tongues. Tongues. T-O-N-G-U-E-S. Tongues. The reason, well, not the reason, but a big reason that you need to remember to pray in tongues every day, it reminds you you have authority in two realms. It's your heavenly language. Hey, God in heaven. Hey, God. Hallelujah. See, speaking in tongues reminds you and the spirits you got authority in the heavenly realm. If you never pray in tongues, you just pray in English, you're going to begin to think all you do is have authority on the earth realm. But when you pray in tongues and you pray in English, it reminds you you got authority in both realms. You can move some stuff in heaven and in earth. Whatever you bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you get some justice. I'm trying to help you get some justice. We have authority in two realms. So we must use our authority in two realms. That's why we pray in English. And we pray in tongues. We are to bind, which means stop, forbid. When you bind a spirit, when you bind a behavior, you're saying this is going to stop. It's going to cease. We forbid this behavior from continuing in my jurisdiction. This is a bad, this is a bad, sinful behavior. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Now, when we loose, we release. We release, we, we establish that behavior as beneficial. That's why sometimes you got to encourage the saints to keep praying like they was praying. You got to encourage the saints to keep praying in tongues. I loose you to pray in tongues. That's why you got sometimes you got to encourage the saints to prophesy. See, speak that prophetic. Speak, loose that in the atmosphere. That needs to happen. What you just said needs to happen. We loose that. Say it again, brother. But you got to know what to bind and what to loose. And if you don't understand the law, you ain't going to know what to bind. You're not going to know what to lose. If you don't understand God's law or his word, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to loose the wrong thing and bind the wrong thing. First Timothy, I don't want to get to. First Timothy 3, uh, verses 14, 15. He says, these things, Paul writes, these things are right unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that you still know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. <laughs> I 
Paul says, even if I'm not there, walking around all apostolically, you ought to know how to behave yourself. Because <laughs> you've been taught what right and wrong behavior is. And you're old enough to, you should be old enough now to help others understand what it is. Wow. I'm going to give you a quick example. I've already addressed it. Don't, don't, you don't need to say anything else about it. But uh, we were out of town, Pastor and I, Pastor Donnell and Michelle's. We allowed Scott Lee to use the church. Great job, wonderful. We were watching online from Nashville. And, uh, you know, they're free, and we had no problem with that. We, I know they're free. I know them, love them. So some of the men had ball caps on. And I'm looking at somebody else walk around with the ball caps on, the dogs. I said, oh, they didn't got free. So I, we, we, I got back and I talked to him private. I said, why? You, you, you don't, we don't do that. So you got to be careful that somebody else's behavior isn't adopted by you. And you weren't given the license to do that. You know, it'll make sense to you. I know it's, it's a lot in this. Ephesians 4.11 or 4.1. Ephesians 4 verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. In other words, Every one of us must get a grip on what our calling is and carry ourselves appropriately. Hmm. My brothers and sisters, the rule of law, write that down. The rule, are you, Ellie, the rule of law is a principle that all people within a country, state, or community are held accountable to the same set of standards. Rule of law. That means. <laughs> If you're supposed to be saved and in the kingdom of God, no matter where you go in the world, there's standards that we all ought to be living out of. The rule of law comes from what's called natural law or moral laws. Natural or moral laws are universal. That means everybody know. Again, wherever you go in the world, everybody know that's a law. That's a no-no or that's a yes-yes. 
In other words, there are certain things, behaviors, that no matter where you go in the world, everybody knows that's wrong. Trafficking, rape, murder. You may not even speak the same language, but everybody knows that's wrong. Why is that? Because there's one God that made us all in his image and his likeness. Mm, mm. So, as I get ready to close, the idea, the, the very idea that right and wrong are universal concepts should be in the heart and mind of every human being. Hmm. I'm going to say a few things and we'll let you go home. I'll come back and address them another time. I'm going to cause you to ponder some things here. So, God said in the book of Genesis to Adam, all these trees, you can eat of them, except one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. <laughs> he didn't say that they couldn't eat from the tree of life. <laughs> Why did God say that? Man has been pondering this weighty question for millennia. Well, let me give you my little two cents. Just because we family, just for fun. See, I believe, I really believe this. God didn't want man teaching himself what good and evil was before they learned who God was. God didn't want man teaching one another what good and evil was before they even knew who he was. <laughs> Why I say that? Any knowledge without the knowledge of God puffs us up. It produces pride. It says that in 1 Corinthians 1.8. Knowledge puffs up. This is why we need to have enough wisdom to know what to teach our children and grandchildren. First, we can mess some kids up telling them the wrong stuff first. Oh, I'm going to say this. I, I just love God. I'm old enough. I've seen some stuff. You can tell parents that do an overabundance of teaching their children, you, you cute, you handsome, you smart. If you don't balance that out, they're going to grow up thinking they're better than everybody else. <laughs> Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge builds up. Knowledge inflates. Grace edifies. We need to teach grace because grace builds everybody up. It really does. Isaiah 5, 21. Woe, 
W-O-E. Woe means misfortune, grief, and misery. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That sounds like folk that all they were taught growing up is, you know, you smart, you cute, you handsome. You're telling them they're wise in their own eyes. You're telling them they can't make a mistake. Whatever you decide is going to work out. Whatever you do, baby, it's going to be all right. That ain't true. Ain't no justice in you doing whatever you want to do all the time. Where is justice in that, man? For real? That's why you don't think you hurt nobody. I just did what I thought was I, I didn't I just did what I thought was right. You don't understand justice. This is really good. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. What is he saying? You got to get a revelation of righteousness. In order for you to stop sinning, you need to know who God is first before you know how to do justice. You can't do justice without knowing who God is. And I'm just going to stop with this last scripture because it's too much. It's too much. Romans 10, 3. Romans 10, 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. It's Elizabethan English. What does it mean? People who are ignorant of the righteousness of God or God's rightness or what God says is right and what God says is wrong. People that stay ignorant of what God says is right and what God says is wrong will automatically go around and try to establish what they do is right. Because if you don't know what God says is right, obviously what you think what you think you think is right. Or if you abandon what God says is right about a situation, somebody got to be right about it. So if you ignore God's righteousness, you're going to pick up somebody else's concept and idea of right and wrong. You're going to live that out and try to explain it to everybody. Because you're ignorant of what God says is right. You, you ain't got a clue that that's just wrong. That's just straight up wrong. And you're going to keep trying to justify it. Well, you know, I did this. Well, I did this first. And well, I asked somebody, I prayed, I went to college, I talked to my name. But you, you ignored what God said was righteous. So in doing that, you automatically establish your own view of righteousness. And you cannot submit yourself to the righteousness of God. So it's impossible for you to do any justice because your justice is based on your righteousness. Everyone stand on your feet, please. I'm going to stop. Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's not science, engineering, technology, and mathematics. It's not. 
God says, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. They don't know what I say is right, and they don't know what I say is wrong. They don't know. But you know how much LeBron make? We, know we, got, we, we got all kind of knowledge we have, but we don't, got have, we don't have God's knowledge. Lift your hands, please. So it's impossible for us to do justice to anyone without knowing God's word and the lawgiver's standards of right and wrong. We cannot treat each other in the kingdom right because we don't know the word. We don't know what God says is right behavior, and we don't know what God says is wrong behavior. <coughs> Ask him to help you right there. It's your life. You live with brothers and sisters in Christ. Help him. Ask him to help you, rather. Help me, Father. I want justice. But I realize when people don't know you, they can't give me justice. My son deserves justice. My daughter was done. We need justice, God. We're hurt. We need to be made whole. We need this fixed. We need justice. Who have I hurt because I didn't understand? I was behaving wrong and I didn't know it. Who have I hurt? Who have I hurt and I didn't know it? I thought I was behaving right. Help us. Man. I thought. But I remember the scripture. When there was no king in Israel, every person did what was right in their own eyes. How many of us are doing what's right in our own eyes? So there's hardly any justice anywhere. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.